Hey everyone, welcome back. It's Lamont Qureshi. You're listening to the Expat Brad Podcast. What's up? So here we are recording and wishing you guys are having an exciting day. I think as long as you're not one of those people stuck in a queue somewhere, you should be really happy with yourself and your life. Like you got to thank God you're not one of those idiots. <laughs> All right. And there are a couple of cues I'm referring to, okay, the particularly long ones. A, there's the one outside the queen, uh, queen's, um, is it to see the coffin, something like that. There's a line out there. And then there's the iPhone 14 line, two long lines that to me are just meaningless and dumb. So if you're not in there, you're great. See, the iPhone 14 one I don't get anymore because y- you can order online you might have to wait a day or two. Come on, man. We're at the 14th iPhone now, right? It's time to give this thing a rest. You don't have to, like, now you look like schmucks. Like, people, you know, you got to know when something's turned into, like, mocking. Like, uh, when you have, when something starts off as cool and you all want to do it, it's kind, it's cool. It's right. Like everyone wants to get in on it and it goes on for a little bit. But iPhone 14, it's like you're trying to get people to do the fidget spin thing with you again or the bottle tossing. You remember that the bottle toss thing with a little bit of water in the bottle and you flip it and it lands on and everyone's like, oh, my God, I've never seen anything like that before. Humanity. Ah!" And and I think it's time, you know, you just go, it's time to give this a rest. And uh and the iPhone 14, I think, has reached that point. I don't get me wrong. I love Apple products. I am uh, I invested in the ecosystem of the Apple world. Uh, it starts slow, and then you just get sucked into it. And but you know, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think uh, <laughs> maybe not for my bank account, but overall, it is good quality products, and I like it. And once you know, once you, you're with the iPhone and stuff, it's hard to go. Back. I love the camera on it. Uh, I've got the uh, iPhone 13, and <clears throat> I gotta say, it's a great phone. I love it. Nothing wrong with it. Just make. Yeah, I I agree. The price is too high and whatnot. It should be a bit lower, a lot lower, really, considering they source all their stuff from China. Every smartphone, right? China uh, manufactures it. They get the minerals. Well, you know, aren't there like little kids in Africa thrown into some kind of mines? Forget like working hours and rights. They're just like little children pulling out these minerals and, and and that builds the screens and the phone chips and everything for us so that we in in the better parts of the world can use these smartphones to get on social media and talk about how we want this world to be a better place. <laughs> oh, and um and then there's the queen, of course, right? She's dead. King Charles has taken over. And apparently there's like a 12-hour line. David Beckham's in it. And they're just standing around for it. And I just again, I don't know why you have to stand there to pay your respect like that, especially for that. But you know, my favorite point about it, I got to say this before I move into my main topic. My favorite thing about it was that I heard people complaining. I was reading about it, about how people are complaining that some people are getting... VIP treatment and getting to skip the lines and pay their respect to the queens earlier than the common folks. And if I have to explain that to you, the irony or the stupidity of that, 
then I, uh, of someone like being upset about that, that that's what I mean. Like, <laughs> then go, go away and think about it. All right. Actually, I'll tell you why. <laughs> it's a queen. It's a monarchy. All right. They, they've set themselves up. They call themselves blue blooded. All right. They, they've set themselves up to be considered more special than all of you. <laughs> And you're standing in line to pay your respects to this this form of, uh, you know, rule over you. So it's stupid of you to complain about people being equal. You literally, oh, oh man, what's up with humanity, right? Like, what's up? Um, I, I labeled this, uh, I titled this podcast, uh, Walk Like an Egyptian. Not to mock Egyptian. This is very cool. You know, I've been thinking about my uh, upbringing and I just realized as a Pakistani and as an expat in the Gulf, uh, Egyptians are a big part of my life. I have always been. And Egypt intrigues me in so many ways. And I think Egypt uh, not only has had had a direct impact on my life, but actually is very much like Pakistan in a lot of ways. And I'll get into that in a second and explain that. But, uh, you know, my my uh, relationship with Egyptians go back right from day one that I've gone into school and stuff. All right. So my um, a lot of my classmates were from Egypt. Uh, a lot of the teachers I had, particularly the ones who taught me Arabic and uh, religions, uh, religious studies, Islamic studies in Saudi um, I make it sound more plural than it was. This is the Saudi in the eighties. By the way, very impressed by the Saudi marketing going on right now. Uh, they've opened up visas for people. The the airlines. I've been seeing some of the ads they've been putting up, and they're really they're really going for this uh, tourism thing. And I I gotta applaud them. You know, I I make a lot of jokes about my childhood there. And man, rightfully so, right? It was a big stereotype. And I've talked about this in a previous episode. So, but, but you know, hats off to them. They're, they're actually doing it. You know, one of the reasons I was very skeptical at the beginning is because Saudi d- did have a habit of announcing these grand schemes and big gestures and whatnot and then never following through on it. But it's the first time I've kind of sat back. I've been watching this and going, hmm, I'm kind of impressed. And, and, you know, Again, great, great. If they can go down this path, great for them. Um, but yeah, so even my principal was uh, was an Egyptian uh, person, uh, Mr. Kamal. And uh, I recently got in touch with him through some school alumni uh, kids and whatnot. And uh, we connected, especially during the COVID times, because, hey, what else did you have to do back then? But it was really cool because I got to talk about some old stories and, you know, find out that he's still alive. He's just moved back home from Saudi to Egypt and living this retired life. But he was really, really happy to see, uh, hear messages coming in from old students. Uh, you know, he probably won't recognize me um, because <laughs> it was a busy school. It reminds me of this story. Yeah. This one time, me, a friend named Taha, and one more kid, uh, Adil, we get sent off to the principal's office. Now, just as a background, my friend Taha, uh, Indian kid, moved to the States uh, very early on. And he, he was the naughty one, right? He he was the instigator in our group. He'd be the one, let's do something crazy kind of guy. And I don't know what we had done this time 
to be sent off to the principal's office, but we follow him in. Daha's like, you know, the dude. And my prince, uh, our principal, Mr. Kamal, he turns to, to Daha and, and Asin, he just goes, I, you guys, I expect you to be here, but you, and he's saying this as he turns to Daha, I'm so shocked that you are here. You know, you're such a good kid and you're such a good role model in the school. I'm very shocked that you're with these kids. And me and this other dude, a couple of other friends who were sent in because Taha caused this, were standing there in disbelief thinking, what? What's going on here? So I don't know whether he mistook him for someone else or he just had a clean image in front of the principal and why we had bad images in front of him. I don't know what the background, what happened that day, but I still remember it as like a shocker. Uh, but great guy, uh, our headmaster, and um, and yeah, he was Egyptian, right? And uh, and so, like I said, so we're a lot of my my one bad kind of uh, experience was with a couple of Egyptian teachers was that you know uh, they did believe in punishment, like you know the hard hitting type. Some of them would bring out the scale and stuff, and that kind of made me hate having to go into my Arabic or religion. Uh, Islamic study classes and that's a little regret you know so yeah it's a bit sad that that happened but mo- but I also had some really good teachers uh, there were a couple of good Egyptian Arabic teachers of mine as well uh, namely Mr. Ashraf uh, really good you know and it was nice to it was nice to experience that but here's here's where it gets interesting all right one of the biggest impacts <laughs> or one of the best things I got out of Egypt I gotta thank the Egyptians, all my Egyptian people in the world for it. Now, I was stuck in Jeddah, all right? This is pre-internet. This is pre-satellite dish. This is pre-cable, all right? So all I had access to on my TV where, you know, and this is going old school with the aerial, you had to fit on the TV and then you started hanging it outside your window with one of your uncles hanging half outside to make sure you got it and hoping he doesn't fall off and die, but you get to the right angle so you're catching all the channels possible. That situation, all right? We're in that situation and uh, we, we get two channels that are based in Saudi Arabia. One of them was called Channel One, uh, which was Arabic programming. And Channel 2 was English programming, which aired a few things, heavily censored as well. And then on good days, across from the Red Sea, the airwaves passed on Egyptian TV channels, all right? On, <laughs> on very clear days, we'd receive two Egyptian channels into our set, and we could watch stuff on it. And it was interesting because every Eid holidays, they'd play Bollywood movies. For three days of Eid celebrations, they'd play a Bollywood movie or two Bollywood movies every single day, primarily of this Bollywood superstar called Amitabh Bachchan from the 80s and 90s. All right, So I grew up watching these movies and, and just being blessed that I had access to this. It was love. I, I realized uh, Egyptians loved Indian movies, particularly Amitabh Bachchan. And so his movies were played and I got to watch it. So it was like a whole thing that I associated <laughs> with just Egypt providing me Bollywood movies. What a, we're, as a Pakistani, you know, it just, it boggles me. That was like globalization 
at its best right there <laughs> at the start at the dawn of the globalization Salman Qureshi got to listen to got to watch Bollywood movies through Egypt and so I always had this affinity towards Egyptian channels because I was just like they saved us the Egyptian people they saved me and my time and my Eid holidays uh, and that was interesting I got to do that that's always going to stick to my mind and it's so easy to see so many things now, it just, you know, it was joyful to have to celebrate seeing those things. Partly, I don't know why, it was the excitement that, it was also the excitement that um, brown people from the subcontinent were showing up on an Arab TV. And it was one of those good moments, right, where we were like, uh, th there can be cross-border love. Uh, and, and we're the same skin tone, same kind of people. Which brings me to the next big point, which I think is that Egyptians. So my my first idea of Egyptians did come from the song Walk Like an Egyptian and not in the stereotypical way, but in the sense that um, it's the first time I, I had heard or became conscious of Egyptians. Right. I mean, I had Egyptian school friends, but, you know, you hear a song like that. It hits you. Yes. What is Egypt? What is Egyptian? It makes you curious about it. And uh, so I because I it was that was my first like real thought process around Egypt because it was this song, this English song that I loved, uh, sung by this beautiful woman. I I always thought Egyptians were very cool, and I still do, right? So that kind of stuck with me for a while because of that song. And I know I, I have a few Egyptian friends get ticked off about it. And in fact, one of uh, one of the guys I saw, uh, he was just going on about like, you know, some people really think we walk like that. And I don't know, it's just idiotic that that's what became our symbol. But, you know, it was good. It was nice. Uh, I, I think, you know, you got to look at the positives as well. And it was a, a, a at that time representation of any kind, even if what people might consider negative or stereotypical in this day and age, I appreciated back then. So, you know, we, that's where we were starting off with. So I think, you know, uh, in that era, it was kind of cool to have that song and it was fun. And uh, And so I kind of got exposed to that. And then I loved, like I've admitted in a few um, episodes earlier, that I, I, I did love reading encyclopedias. And one of the things that intrigued me a lot was uh, was uh, mythology. And uh, so I read up on the Roman, the Greek, and the Egyptian one. And, you know, they, again, that aspect of it was really cool to read about their uh, pyramids and all that. And so here's the thing, right? Like, I think Pakistan and Egypt, they, they currently... Uh, are these uh, states that are overpopulated and stuck in this military rule. They have so much shared history, like this Islamic revolution in the 70s and 80s, um, kind of being the leaders of their area in some ways, military-wise at least. And, um, and just the uh, radicalization of the population. And uh, this. Uh, so, so one of the things that I thought was cool, for example was this Egyptian friend of my dad's. Um, he he told me about growing up in a private school in Cairo back in the 60s, 50s and 60s. And he said, you know, we played cricket. He knew cricket. He knew all the rules. He was talking to me about it. He said, I still watch it. And he said, in the private schools, we played it. So I guess that British effect stayed back, but because they didn't have as much of a uh, impact on, on Egypt as they did in the subcontinent. Maybe, you know, cricket didn't last or be the big thing over there. And uh, But he described Egypt and how it was liberal and they, uh, you know, people were educated and they were open-minded and how that changed and how now it's 
different. And, and I just I feel the similarities between Egypt and Pakistan are very similar that way. We share a very rich history of theater and arts, you know, historical uh, um, kind of similarities as well. Now, I know the Egyptian pyramids are famous, but the south of Pakistan, the area called the province called Sindh, it has a lot of like old civilizations there and had our governments taken care and promoted them, there would have been tourist, tourist sites, um, you know, because they go thousands of years back. They're really interesting to go see. And unfortunately, we just didn't ever get promoted like that or, or we didn't choose to do it ourselves as well. Maybe at some point, if they haven't been completely damaged by the floods that have happened recently, maybe, just maybe, we might be able to promote them properly now. So I'm I'm rushing off over all these things and kind of going over uh, like doing an overview, but that's that's how I feel it was, you know. And um, and then politics and the military and the setup of the governments and how they keep the military kind of just runs things from behind. All that is just eerily similar. That it shocks me, you know. There's a there's a certain I know other places have had dictatorship. But the way the military operates is so similar. They use religion. They use uh, anti, uh, like patriotism, uh, not anti-patriot, but patriotism to just hold power. It's so interesting. And if the Egyptians had certain religious group, fanatic religious groups trying to, you know, take over, Pakistan has had the same problem for years and years and years now. Um, it also, you know, when I look at the population, it's so similar. You have this educated class, a lot of them very westernized, perhaps in a way, best way to describe it. Sometimes I hate saying that, but that's what it is. And they, uh, and then you're kind of Ill, um, illiterate, I suppose, uh, you know, the, the, the lower income. Uh, how do I say this without sounding, you know, just classist or something? You know what I mean? There's a, there's a, <laughs> there's, there's a little bit like, uh, uh, it's not to say uncivilized, but a bit more rough around the edges kind of population that we have. And we share that, right? Uh, our guys are driving cabs. Their guys are running restaurants or selling shawarmas or whatever. And so there's, there's this, there is this aspect. They're very crude on the street. Women don't feel safe anymore, like, you know, back in the day. And, um, and everyone gets attacked for religion and stuff as well. So, so there's, uh, there's all that that's very similar. And so I feel like the people are very similar. I feel like comedy is a big thing as well. You know, uh, as a comedian, that's what interests me as well. Now, Pakistan, I feel, uh, actually has a good, the people there have a great comedic sense. I think mostly because when things are so shit, you have to find a way to laugh about things, right? Uh, otherwise, you'll go crazy. And so we see the humor in a lot of things. And generally, we enjoy uh, watching comedy and our comedy was pretty good. Um, fun fact, a lot of Indian stand-up comics that I've met have referred old Pakistani, particularly this guy called Omar Sharif, not the famous Egyptian Omar Sharif. Aha, another similarity. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> Omar Sharif was a, was a stage actor, half stand-up comic kind of thing. He'd improvise during his plays. And uh, a lot of the Indian comics you know, he's one of their idols or one of their role models when they got into comedy. I'm talking about a lot of the modern ones. And and that was nice to hear. Interesting as well, right? So deep comedic 
tradition, which also I think comes out in Egypt as well. I know from what I understand a lot in the Arab world, uh, Egyptians, uh, the comedy is no, renowned and known and uh, people admire it. And that's where a lot of the Egyptian stuff, a uh, comedy comes from. Uh, and, and that's very interesting. So, you know, the, the, it's just remarkable to me how much we're alike. And then back in the day, this is going to sound a little rude, but back in the day, you could see our women were very pretty. Uh, Egyptian women and Pakistani women. All right, I'm just saying it. Put it out there. Don't 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 shoot the messenger. Okay, <laughs> I'm talking about 70s and 80s. And then they just you know once they got married and hit 30 at 30 plus and had a couple of kids, bam, they you know they let themselves go. It was like a thing, man. It was it was maybe it happens everywhere, but particularly stood out amongst Pakistanis and Egyptians. Like it would happen way too much. And really bad, like really badly. So um, I don't know what the deal with that is, but <laughs> that was another thing I noticed that's very similar. Probably not true anymore. Uh, I'm, again, referring to the 80s and 90s and stuff like that. All right. So so those, <laughs> those kind of crazy stuff um, leaves me with a lot of love for Egyptians, a lot of the same frustrations for them. I feel bad. Uh, they've kind of gone through their youth. They've got a big youth population that wants great things in their part of the world and uh, just like Pakistanis you know again two very young populations two countries that could do a lot um, if our uh, leaders you know get their act together and uh, sort things out and also the people kind of just you know chill out a little bit maybe huh shift back to how we used to be fun loving and uh, not uh, getting all worked over over small things with each other maybe just maybe that might sort things out okay so that's my uh, my association and my thoughts on my fellow Egyptians well not my fellow Egyptians right you wouldn't say that my my fellow human beings all right that's that's what it is and um, and, and yeah just something I uh, I was thinking about so you know, I hope this was interesting for you to listen to, whether you are from Pakistan or Egypt, because um, that would uh, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on like, you know, what um, whether you agree or disagree with that. I'd be interested to know, you know, and um, I think we are at the end of the day, people are more similar than we are different. Yeah. With that thought. I'm going to head off. I'm recording this a bit late at night. It's almost midnight, which means I'm about to turn into a pumpkin. And uh, I got to get some my beauty sleep. Okay. So I'm going to leave you there. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Show it some love. Share it. Leave a comment. It goes a long way to promoting the podcast. Uh, I'm going to head off. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Or as a dog would say, woof. <laughs>